Podcast number 155. This week I recorded this podcast while I was at the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, this was the seventh year for the event and it was a pretty good showing and enjoyed the uh, conversation that we had. But even more so, I was lucky to have a friend of mine from Greece show up that he's been here about five out of the last seven years and we've really enjoyed um, getting to know him over those past uh, five years. And his name is Chris and I would try to pronounce his real name, but it would I would do him no justice. So the people that know him just call him Chris, and it's a uh, it, it's been a great relationship that we've developed over here the last five years. And I'm uh, I was lucky to get him on the podcast. Chris and I sat down and talked about you know the European marketplace, what's happening with Greece as far as credit goes since the uh, over the last ten years um, with various things as far as economic situations have happened. We talk about used equipment that he's sourcing from the U.S., what used equipment looks like in in the Greek market. Um, we talk about the new marketplace and some subsidies that are coming down from the EU and how that's going to affect 2020 and 2021. And we all talk about the cotton market and just a bunch of different stuff. So like I said, it was an honor to have Chris on the podcast and I look forward to meeting him every time I, I get a chance. So um, if you have any questions about this podcast or comments you'd like to make, make sure you hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at Moving Iron Podcast.com. You can find the Moving Iron Podcast at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Spotify, and on the Global Ag Network. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour. Out. This week I have a special guest all the way from Greece and he's at the Moving Iron Summit with me here and I know him as Chris from Greece because his name is too hard for me to say but Chris, introduce yourself buddy. Yep. My full name is Christodoulos Bozatidis but everybody as Casey says calls me Chris. Uh, we are uh, the company Agrotech, we are the dealers of John Deere for Greece. Uh, we are the only dealer there, and yes, uh, monopolies are not allowed, because this is the funniest thing I heard here in the States when I said that we are the only dealers in the country. Uh, we come from another part of the world where uh, John Deere faces a lot of uh, competition. Uh, John Deere is not the market leader in uh, many countries of Europe. And uh, totally, in terms of sales, uh, they're definitely not. And it's really a very good opportunity for me to come here to this Moving Iron Summit. Uh, this is the fifth one that I participate. Uh, we have uh, been actively buying uh, cotton pickers from the U.S. market for uh, the last years. And it's a great opportunity to meet everybody and all the used equipment managers in one place. Yep. Now, it's a great opportunity for, for a lot of people to get together and network and, and do what they do. But 
but Chris, here's what I want to talk to you about today is you laid it out quite nice. You were out buying, um, looking at cotton pickers and those kind of things for, to bring back to the Greek market and, and those kind of things. But, you know, a lot of folks, when they think about Greece, agriculture is not a, a, one of those things that are, that are on their mind. They're thinking about, you know, the, the, the Rome, the, the Greek uh, in Athens and stuff like that and all the, the ruins that are out there and the vacation spots that come like that and, and olive oil and all those things that come along with that. So talk a little bit about what goes on in Greece and talk about the agriculture markets there and some of the things that you're growing over there and, and how those things are, are kind of correlating to what you see happen here in the U.S. Well, uh, we are a country with the Mediterranean climate, right. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, we are in the Mediterranean Sea. I would resemble our conditions with uh, Georgia mm-hmm. here in the States. Okay. So we have a similar uh, mm-hmm. crops, similar climate. Yeah. Similar climate. Uh, of course, uh, we have uh, lots of olive trees. Mm-hmm. For many many centuries now, that's why we are famous uh, for the olive oil, and the Greek olive oil is uh, of uh, supreme quality, as the percentage of extra virgin olive oil is uh, one of the highest. Uh, then uh, we produce uh, literally everything. Uh, we have cotton. We have. Uh, Corn, we have uh, durum wheat, we have uh, soft wheat, uh, we even have uh, some uh, soybean, but soybean is not uh, very uh, common uh, okay. in Europe generally. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we have a lot of fruits, mm-hmm. uh, production almonds, uh, nuts. You can find uh, so you're, with, yeah. the, with the Mediterranean climate, you have a little bit of what we see happen in California, where you have grapes and, and yeah. nut, nut farms and, and various other produce that, that comes along with that. Yeah. Okay, right on. So now, now that you, you take a look at this, so let's step back a minute. You talked about cotton. Cotton's one of the one of the, probably one of the biggest crops that we grow here in the U.S. You know, corn, soybeans, and cotton is probably the third one, right? So. Talk about the cotton market a little bit. Talk about some of the struggles that you see with your customers. Talk about some of the stuff that you see happen with equipment. I mean, just kind of give me the rundown that you see happen with cotton. Right now, in the European Union, there are only two countries uh, producing cotton. It's Greece and Spain. Greece is the biggest uh, producer of uh, cotton with uh, uh, 300,000 hectares. Okay. and I think that this uh, should be multiplied by 2.5 to get the acres. Right. So you're roughly about 600,000, yeah, 650,000 acres. Right. And of course, you know, in Europe, uh, we are not allowed to have uh, GMOs. Right. <laughs> right. So it's uh, something that is going on for uh, the whole agriculture. Uh, we do uh, a lot of cotton pickers uh, imported from uh, US for many many years now uh, there is a very big fleet of uh, older equipment okay. already in place it's 100% mechanized for many years now uh, most of uh, the cotton pickers are uh, right now 4 rows 99, 65, 99, 70s we even have some 
two rows still in operation. Oh, really? Yep. Okay, wow. So maybe we can uh, sometime uh, sell them to collectors here in the States. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but they're still uh, operational. 99, 30s, even 20s. Okay. Uh, I've even seen 10s in operation. Wow. Anyway, it's unbelievable after 40 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the market uh, there is uh, a bit uh, different. Uh, we don't have any modules. We're just now trying to introduce them okay. to the market. Uh, the problem, the biggest problem that we're facing right now is the size of the machine. Okay. Because we have problems with uh, transport, transport and yep. uh, road uh, regulations. Uh, right. It cannot move on the road. Uh, it's also a bit uh, heavy. Yep. And uh, this is the biggest obstacles that uh, we are facing today for this. But I think that there is no alternative and we will have to find ways to overcome them. For the moment, we are uh, actively buying 86s and 96s here in the States. Uh, We are buying uh, 15 to 30 pieces per year. We have cooperated with uh, most of the dealers uh, dealing with uh, cotton pickers. And, uh, of course, what I have seen is that there are some dealers that they know what they have to do, they have done it again and they are really professional, but there are also some other dealers uh, where it's very hard to yeah. uh, to communicate to find a yep. solution for the export. Yep, no, I, I can understand that. There's, there's a lot of things that, a lot of moving parts there and some dealers are doing different things that others aren't. When you take a look right now and you look at all the different things that have come through Greece over the last 10 years from a from an economic standpoint. Um, you know, you had a collapse of your currency. You've had all these different things happen, all these different just kind of snowball effect of just economic crisis one right after another. How is that affecting your business today, kind of as a retrospect, kind of looking back and what when it first when that first took place to where you see it now, how your customers, have, how they've adjusted to that and, and what is the... Um, I guess, what is the I guess the credit situation like? I mean, how how are you how are how are farmers being financed over there? How's that whole thing work? Well, uh, you know, uh, the funny thing about the economy is like it works like a spring. So right. you can press it down, but then it will come It'll up come very back fast. Up, yeah. uh, and this is what we're, we're experiencing now. Of course, the last years have been very tough. And uh, we had lots of difficulties, but it was a very good opportunity for the professional farmers to restructure, to increase their size, to buy more land, Mm -hmm. and uh, to develop so that uh, the next phase of economic development will find them at a much better position. So for me, uh, the depression and uh, these times of crisis in reality are times of big opportunity. Okay. This is what I have seen uh, happening for the ones that are willing to take the risk mm-hmm. and are brave enough to move forward. Yep. So these people and these customers, after these years, I expect uh, that they will have a huge upside uh, in their uh, profitability in right. the next years. Yep. So your outlook for... 
2020 is fairly positive. For us, yeah. 2020 will be a record year okay. for machinery sales because we will have also some uh, subsidies that have been approved mm -hmm. and uh, they will uh, be distributed to the farmers and they can use them to buy machinery. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we are expecting a record year in uh, 2020. Right. So some of the subsidies you're talking about are very similar to basically the, the Section 179 of the tax code that we see here, where in Europe the, uh, the European Union was, was giving various subsidies to offset, you know, some taxes or whatever it might be to, to purchase new, new farm equipment and to kind of revamp and re, uh, kind of, I don't know, revamp probably the, uh, the ability to uh, be more efficient, get more efficient equipment onto the farm. Kind of that post 9/11, that 2008 through 2010 time frame. Is that similar to what you're talking about now? Yeah, it's something similar. In reality, okay. the farmers uh, will get a subsidy, which will be a percentage of uh, their uh, machinery mm -hmm. that they intend to buy. They have already applied what they want to buy. Okay. And uh, they will get the approvals, uh, hopefully by the end of uh, this year. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm telling you that 2020 is going to be record yeah, year. 2020 and 2021 will be really good year right. because yes, there will uh, be materializing yeah. all these uh, subsidies. Yeah. The point of these subsidies is uh, to help uh, renew their equipment, uh, mm -hmm. develop their uh, farm even more. Uh, for example, uh, the uh, precision agriculture is uh, right. uh, promoted yep. more and I think that this is uh, a really good uh, thing. Uh, this is what happens in Greece and several other countries. It does not happen to every country though. Right. Uh, the more uh, developed countries in uh, Europe do not have subsidies okay. this way. There they do it through taxation mainly. Mm -hmm. They give tax breaks or uh, increase the depreciation rates. Okay. Yeah, they work uh, right. a bit differently. Yep. All right. So now let's talk about the shift gears a little bit. So we've, we've kind of you've kind of laid the groundwork here of what the new market looks like. And in the U.S., you sell a bunch of new, you're going to get a bunch of used back in. So talk about that transaction and how that works in Greece. You sell something new. Is there a lot of used equipment <laughs> that comes along with that? Yeah. In most of the cases, we also have a trading. Okay. Uh, the unfortunate thing is that the trading is not a John Deere. In most right. cases. Yeah. Uh, imagine that uh, we are market leader uh, in the country, and we have a market share uh, in tractors of 26 uh, percent, mm -hmm. and this is one of the best in uh, Europe. It's very hard to find something more than 30. Right. Congratulations. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, of course. Uh, we have a system there where we trade in the used. We, wherever it's possible, we pass it through the workshop. Pass to, through, say it again? Through the workshop. Oh, to, okay, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, to the shop. Yeah, yep. yeah, to repair it and uh, to uh, add some value to yep. it, wherever mm -hmm. it's uh, possible. And then uh, we are remarketing it uh, to the market. Uh, the, for example, right now I would say that uh, the average uh, stock of used equipment that we have is uh, for uh, less than 180 days. It's pretty good. Uh, pretty good for U.S. standards. For European, not that good. Okay. <laughs> uh, for example, uh, there are countries 
where it's less than 90. So is that is that a is that a supply issue? Is that is that why that day is the inventory is so low, or is it just is it that good use well, equipment is really sought after? Yeah, it's it's a matter of uh, supply and demand always. Okay. Right. Uh, there are uh, the good used equipment mm -hmm. we sell in uh, maximum 30 days. Man, that must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> when it's something is good, right? Of course, properly priced. <laughs> right. Oh, of course. Yeah, of, yeah. Course. Uh, of course. Of yeah. course. Then uh, you sell it very, very fast. Right. There are. Uh, I, there, there is also equipment where uh, we have to take some uh, write downs, and we have on stock for two years. But yeah. this is very, very few pieces. That's right. why. Uh, yeah. Uh, average is uh, much better. But uh, it's a very competitive market. Uh, also, the used equipment. Mm -hmm. It's uh, totally different compared uh, to the States because uh, some countries uh, have some different regulations. For example, we have 50K on tractors in some countries, they are not allowed. Right. So, because the European uh, homologation is for 40K. Mm -hmm. When I say 40K, it's 40 kilometers per hour, just right. <laughs> right. Yep. to be um, yep. sure. And uh, if you take out these uh, small and minor uh, differences, well... Okay, we had some technical difficulty there, had something cut out, but Chris was talking about the, uh, the, the speed of, of machines in Europe and how that varied out. So to pick back up where you left off there, Chris. Yep. I was saying that uh, 50K is allowed to some countries, but not all. Right. And uh, if you exclude this, the market uh, is uh, unified and there is no problem to move machinery around. Mm -hmm. Generally, there is a flow of machinery from northern countries to southern countries and from west to east. Okay. This is the general flow of uh, used equipment in uh, Europe. Right. Yep. And this is happening uh, for many years now. In reality, it's from... Uh, uh, high income mm -hmm. regions to lower income right. regions. So if you follow the money, you mm -hmm. can see you see where it flows, goes. Right. Yeah. That's very. That's, that's funny you say that. That flow from north to south, because in the U.S., that's a very similar flow of, of machinery. The the stuff that comes from what we, what we consider to be the northern corn belt. You know, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, um, Ohio, those kind of places like that. Um, the amount of equipment that flows from those those that particular area, Nebraska, down into like Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Georgia. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny yeah. how you say that because that's very similar to the U.S. That north to south flow, and and in some extent, I guess you could probably also say the flow of equipment east to west is very similar as well. Um, we send the machines that that leave the amount of ADARs that come out of the southeast part of the United States. And, and the flow of those machines east, I'm sorry, west, is uh, pretty cool. So actually, when you really put yeah, it in it's perspective, similar, yeah, it's yeah. very similar. Very similar, yeah. That's kind of, that's a crazy thing to think about. So when you look at what you see happening now, is the appetite for new equipment higher for where you're at, or is it the appetite for that good, clean, used piece of equipment? Is that is that what's, what you're driving your market? Well, good equipment is very easy to market and okay. there is an insatiable appetite <laughs> I would like okay. to say yeah. so it's uh, something that never stops mm -hmm. and I believe that will never stop the big problem 
is with equipment that is not on good condition. Okay. Equipment that is uh, very old. Okay. And uh, also some equipment where it's hard to find uh, after-sales support. Okay, so yeah. parts and service side of it. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, so this is uh, really uh, changing the uh, consumer appetite, the farmer appetite to buy yeah. this equipment, and this defines in the, the ends the pricing and uh, also how easy it is to sell it. Yep. Okay. So let's bracket that a little bit. So you're talking about good quality used equipment versus not such good quality stuff. Bracket that a little bit for me. So tell me what that looks like. So what is a, what's a good piece of equipment look like? So give me the hour range. Give me the the year range. <laughs> kind of give me that. Kind of give me that so, perspective. Okay. There is a market now for uh, equipment X higher, uh, which is for equipment uh, from five hundred to two thousand hours. Okay. And this market is very active. Uh-huh. Uh, then. Uh, there is a, a market uh, for equipment uh, for a maximum 5,000 hours. Okay. And over 5,000. That's kind of that's yeah, what falls yeah, in yeah, the, yeah. the undesirable stuff. Okay. So if I have a, uh, if you're selling a cotton picker to a guy and it's going to be a, a premium machine, that uh, you would kind of bracket that. What's that? What's that prime? hour range that you're looking for is it is it 500 to 750 hours or is it less than a thousand i mean how, how are you going to bracket that no, for us uh, for to, to have the best uh, price value i would say uh, 2000 to 2500 okay this is uh, mm-hmm. what uh, we can uh, get uh, at a reasonable price uh, and we for cotton pickers, uh, we avoid uh, machines with uh, more than uh, four thousand hours. Okay, right on. All right. So a twenty-five hundred hour machine, a two thousand hour machine. I'm horrible with cotton equipment. Am I going to pretend like I know anything about cotton equipment? Because I've seen maybe. No, a no. Few... I, I'm saying from the buyer side. This okay. Is, uh, this is like your trade-in piece, or is this what they're looking for? No, no. For? This is what I'm looking to buy from oh, the states. Yeah. Okay. All right on. What I have to trade in? Forget about it. In many cases, it's for scrap. <laughs> right How much is it weigh, right? That's what you're looking at yeah, that yeah. point. Okay. So when you're looking at these machines, a 2,500-hour machine, a 2,000-hour machine, is that a is that a five-year-old machine? Is that a 10-year-old machine? Well, that depends on the area. It has worked. Uh, uh, generally, what I've seen here in the States, uh, the machines uh, in the north, have less hours than machines in the south. Right. For example, Texas, they yep. work more. Yep. Uh, they make uh, much more hours. And uh, this is happening every year. So mm-hmm. cum- cumulatively, yeah. we have a big difference after uh, right. 10 years. So you, talked little, after, uh, 15 years. so you talked a little bit about the module combines that were yep. coming in. So like a, like a CP690 or something like that. So. There hasn't been that many used ones on the marketplace to start with. I mean, that's been a pretty tight market to speak of. Um, what, what's the appetite? So I'm sure there's probably got to be some organic growth inside of Greece right now with you selling some new pieces and your allocation, those kind of things that take place. But 
there's got to be a, a developing used market of, of used CP690s that are, yeah. that are... Right now, we are trying to develop uh, the market uh, for uh, module uh, cotton pickers uh-huh. with uh, 7760s. Okay. Uh, to be honest, uh, we are importing for the moment from uh, Israel and uh, other countries, not from the States. Right. Uh, the main reason is that we have uh, we can find better uh, pricing there, and for the last years the market was overheated here. Right. And of course the other issue is the uh, transport. Yeah. Imagine that the cost of transport uh, yep. for such a machine uh, will be close to twenty-five thousand. Right. Yeah. So that's the next question I was going to ask you. So when you're transporting something, are you Primarily roll on, roll off, or are you doing? Yeah. Are you containerizing anything like that? A cotton picker cannot uh, be containerized. You can't break it down. Yeah, huh? it's, it's, yeah. Okay. Uh, even if somebody does it, it costs lots of money. Right. To yep. Put everything back. Uh, so it's roll on, roll off. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are using uh, the ports uh, of Jacksonville or uh, uh, Galveston. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Baltimore is way to the north. Way north. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is no cotton there. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it is working well for us. We don't have any issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never experienced any issue in uh, the customs for export. Mm-hmm. We never had any problem uh, with uh, the shipping. So it works uh, pretty fine for us. Right. So the next. The next thing I talk about, I mean, you have lots of conversations, not just about about the cotton side of this, but you also talk about sprayers quite a bit. So, yeah. I mean, but it's kind of very hot and cold with you. Sometimes you want a ton of sprayers, and sometimes you don't want any sprayers. So, talk about that application market and, and how that's how that's kind of working in Greece right now. Well, uh, there is some market of uh, sprayers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the issue is that uh, most of uh, the market uh, in uh, Europe is for trailed ones, not for self-propelled. Oh, okay, right. So like a, so like a this, best way or something yeah, like that? Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is the big market. It's uh-huh. uh, trailed sprayers. Gotcha. Okay. Of course, there is a market for uh, self-propelled mm-hmm. and uh, there are uh, several countries uh, importing uh, self-propelled so Why sprayers. is that? Why is there such more demand for a, for a pull-type, boom-type sprayer than there is for a self-propelled sprayer? I think uh, the main reason is uh, the investment value because okay. you can have same performance right. more or less uh, the, the, there are very good trail sprayers mm-hmm. with all the technology and uh, the precision applications that you can do with the self-propelled right. and uh, it works uh, pretty fine for uh, most of uh, the farmers there so why should somebody invest so much money on a self-propelled one Right. This is the main oh, reason. Makes sense. Yep. Makes sense. So, what are some other pieces of equipment over there? What are the other equipment lines? Are are you know? Is it is it primarily a like an eight R size tractor? Is that the biggest well, kind of tractor you guys are looking at, or do you guys get all the way up into four wheel drives? No, no. Like nine uh, R's. We go up to eight R S. Okay. We don't have uh, many nine R S, and generally, it's not only Greece. Most of the countries yeah. don't go to the nine R S. Is this a size thing? Yeah, is that really what yeah, it is? Yeah. yeah. This is uh, one of the big reasons. And uh, the v- a price of a used 9R is uh, very low. So there is also no market on the used side mm-hmm. uh, for yep. uh, 9Rs. 
uh, there is a very robust market though for uh, eighters okay. in Europe. Yeah. Right. And what size of what horsepower range are you are you looking at mostly? Is it a, is it the eight three seventy R type type well, of deal, or is it more like a like a two thirty five or two forty five? No, the, the big ones. Okay. But we don't import eight R's from uh, the states right. to Europe. Uh, yeah, European tractors are, are yeah, cheaper. It's, yeah, yeah, it's uh, because of competition. Uh, yeah. Yep. You know that uh, in Europe there are 20 manufacturers, yep. uh, 20 brands competing, mm-hmm. uh, and the John Deere is uh, struggling uh, to be the market leader. Mm-hmm. If you combine CNH and ACO, they're bigger in European Union uh, than uh, John Deere. Right. And yeah. Yep. Now that's that is true. There's there's a bigger. Uh, Swather, but it seems like like every year Deere is getting a little bigger piece of that pie. Yeah, uh, John Deere is growing uh, year after year. Uh, of course, uh, they have changed their uh, dealer network. Uh, they did a lot of uh, changes there, consolidation. They closed smaller dealers. They forced them to merge with uh, other in order to uh, have a bigger size. And uh, this is an ongoing process, but I think that uh, this uh, is uh, paying back to join your this decision, and uh, the bigger dealers now can uh, better support yeah. the machines. Yep. They can uh, offer better services, for example, farm side services. Right. Yep. Uh, we are a pioneer in this field in Europe compared to other brands. And I think that uh, we are uh, well positioned uh, for the uh, near future, for the next uh, three to five years. That's good. Good place to be, man. When you're thinking about from that perspective, that's a that's a big deal, especially yeah. on the technology size. With all the, not only just the the different technologies that are, that are out there on a standalone basis, but the amount of technology that's being integrated into machines. And if you're already kind of positioning yourself to be that that market leader the sky's the limit from here yeah and we have a lot of room to grow yep (laughs) Yep. in uh, Europe so it depends on the starting point Mm -hmm. so uh, there is a lot of uh, market share to take from competition yep and yeah we can uh, grow much bigger right on well Chris I really appreciate you being on the podcast and it's, it's, it's an honor to have you on here and, and, and the friendship that we developed here over the last uh, five years is, is something uh, that I really look forward to and someday I'm going to come to Greece we're going to yeah. go hang out in Athens I want to go go see what you got to offer over there but if folks want to reach out to you or go check out uh, check out your dealership what's the best way to do that well the best way is uh, to get uh, to our website or to contact me directly Uh, of course we have uh, seven to nine hours of difference so please uh, take uh, into consideration this (laughs) 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 I cannot answer right away right yep Uh, but uh, what's your what's your best email address to get a hold of you so yeah my email address uh, would have been Bozadzidis, which is my surname, and this is spelled Bravo Oscar Zulu Alpha Tango Zulu India Delta India Sierra Ad Agrotechniki, which is Alpha Golf Romeo Oscar 
Tango, Echo, Charlie Hotel, November, India, Kilo, India, dot GR, which is Golf Romeo. Right. So I'll put that in the show notes so everybody gets that. But yeah, that's uh, Chris is a is a wealth of knowledge, man. I love I love sitting down every year. I get a chance to sit down and talk with him. It's a it's an it's awesome. You know, we email back and forth throughout the year about different stuff. But when I physically get to sit across from him, it's a, it's a great opportunity to learn something about what's happening in Europe, what's happening in Greece, and and honestly, those markets seem to be very similar across the entire Euro- European Union as far as what their overall machinery needs are and like you said Greece and Spain are the two primary cotton producing countries in in the European Union but when it comes to combines and sprayers and and other things out there um, it's it's a cool conversation to have and and Chris thanks for being on the podcast thank you very much Casey I would uh, really appreciate to see you next year yep and uh, we can also arrange to present uh, something about international markets uh, to your uh, dealers here. Yep. Uh, it's getting better and better every year. This was the best event I've been so far. Well, Congratulations. That. Thank you. And uh, I'm really looking forward for the next event next yep. year. Yep. And probably this year, hopefully, knock on wood, I'll see you at Agritechnica. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Yep. I'll be waiting for you there. That'll work, buddy. Well, Chris, appreciate you being on the podcast, and we'll catch you down the road, my friend. Yep, for sure. Moving higher in the 21st century Hardworking people working hard for you and me Moving higher time and time again Through the years you'll find us here Move